with the Desert Island Discs with Flavia on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda. Welcome to Desert Island Discs. It's always a pleasure to unravel the story and cast away someone on an island where we get to enjoy also their music and song choices. If you are anywhere online, we have a podcast, Capital FM Uganda. If you've missed any of the past shows, you can catch up. I'm Flavia Tumusiema Kabora and my guest today... We're actually meeting for the first time. It's interesting that he worked right across us at Straight Talk for years and we never got to bump into each other. You're on Forbes, which always is an eye-catcher, but I think you'd be one to tell us about your story from the beginning. That might catch us more than just a title of being mm-hmm. on the Forbes list. You are the founder and executive director for African Youth Initiative Network. It's INET. Yep. Victor Ochen. How are you? I am so humbled and honored to be here, Flavia. Yeah. Thanks for having me and such a good opportunity to connect with the capital audience. Yeah. Does it change how people relate to you when you end up on a Forbes list? Uh, I think recently, to mm. even pick up from there, mm. I was in Nigeria. I was meeting with uh, Aleko Dangote, mm-hmm. the richest African. Who's Nigerian. Yeah, yeah. man. And then... I remember in 2015 when Forbes listed me among the 10 people. It was me and Aliko Dangote. Interesting. And then... Uh, uh, for the list was for the most... Most uh, influential... Most, most powerful, powerful men in Africa. Most powerful men in Africa. And it was you... 10 most powerful men. So I was one of the 10. And Ali- So you were the only Ugandan on that list. I was list. the only Ugandan. Yeah. And uh, I think a Ugandan and also Aliko and I were probably the only one on the continent. Ah. The rest were Africans who were staying in diaspora. Right, you were the only Africans with a footprint and staying within yeah, Africa. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So then I met with Aliko. Mm-hmm. That was actually two months ago. Mm. And he took me took me and the team I went with to, to visit his uh, gigantic $20 billion <laughs> oil field Fact, yeah. in, in Nigeria. And then I said, wait a second. When mm. I look back in 2015 and I look at what Aliko Dangote has, has put done, on, yeah. on the ground, and I wonder... Forbes mentioning me <laughs> together. You're with like, did you mean me? And I was, I was like, who, who did the Forbes who were talk they talking about? about? <laughs> exactly. That was the that was the feeling. I said, okay, I, I can't say Aliko has done something. Yeah, but what you, about you, me? you said me and this man on yeah, the same list. Exactly. Why not? But then at the end of the day, it comes <laughs> yeah. down to leadership. It's not about uh, how much money you right. have. It's about uh, what transformation, what change we bring Can in the community. Make, right. So and it's about impact. And some transformation you can't um, equate. Quantified. You can't quantify exactly. it. Victor right. Ochen. Let's get to know you. Take me anywhere in your childhood. Drop me there and let's start your story. <laughs> My childhood is interesting. It's also somehow connected to Capital FM for some yes. reason. I'll talk <laughs> about it. Yes. But I am uh, a Ugandan. I was born in the, a village called Abia. Abia is in the present Aleptong district. Mm-hmm. It was originally Lira district. But I was born in Abia, mm. which is a, a very lovely community uh, growing up in the society that you know, it's traditional. It's a cultural community. Right. So, but of course, uh, being born in 1981, in September, uh, given the history of Uganda, it's also a period of time when there were so many calamities of yeah. conflict. We moved from one pocket of rebellion to another one, but also the current government was in the bush fighting. So come, uh, yeah. we were confronted with so many military episodes mm. of violence and also cattle rustling by the Karama John cattle wrestlers and so many things. So being born in that community, I am one of the few people, mm. not only the few, but the majority of the people who lived it, who saw it, witnessed it, and who survived it. Right. So 
I'm from Abia. I'm a Lango, mm. and I'm happy to be part of this. I did say that I want to talk about my experience with Capital FM. Mm. I remember in 90s when Capital FM was such a, a hit, mm-hmm. like it is still today, right? right. And then uh, the frequency, the wave wouldn't uh, receive so well in Lira. Yes. <laughs> so we would, uh, me and my twin brother Jack or Pio. Mm. Uh, who is currently living in Germany, we would climb the trees and put our <laughs> little <laughs> Just radio. Just to get it perfect. Little radio up <laughs> the tree so and they connected the speaker. Right. So from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. there would be a radio up the mango mm, tree. Oh dear. Sometimes if the, the signal <laughs> is not picking well at night, you have to climb up the mango tree at night. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and what was so interesting that you had to climb it? It was the only FM radio station. So it was the pick. connection you had. It was a connection. We also wanted to feel what Kampala sounds like. You right. Know? Everybody was talking about Capital FM. Said. And you said this is the we, only piece of Kampala exactly, that you had. Oh, exactly. That's interesting. So you're Ochen and you're a twin so you have Opio. I'm a mom of twins and I can tell you right you now are. Oh, yes, I How have two boys. How does it feel to be one? Right now, of course, they're still young, so it's a bit exhausting, but also a blessing. Okay. It is a blessing. But what was it? So it was just you and Opio? Uh, we had a lot of uh, other family members. I was born right. in a family of 10. 10, I talk right. about twins. Mm. I am a twin. Mm-hmm. I have a twin brother. I also have twin girls. Wow. So, so mom and dad had two girls, two boys. Uh, I mean, like, uh, I, I was born in a family of many twins. Oh. Ah. My great grandfather was a twin. Wow. My grandfather had a twin brother. And then my father produced twins. My father pro- had twin brothers. And my Jeez. two elder sisters produced two sets of twins oh, each. Dear. My one elder brother produced three sets of twins. Jeez. And I am here <laughs> with the twin girls. I produced twin girls. You did? Twins. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That's got to be a blessing. I think it's a lot of... Or, or, or now that your family has that many, you take it for granted. It's I like would <laughs> say my village of Abia mm. probably... Six in ten families you meet have got twins. What is it? Yeah. What's in a beer that we need to go and We need to go and uh, investigate. (laughs) (laughs) And start drinking and eating. Exactly. We eat a lot of uh, shea butter. We Mm. eat a lot of kalo. We eat a lot of odi or Mm. nino. And so many local foods. But I think there's something special. Because a beer, after years of war, Mm. it became one of the biggest internally displaced people's camp. Mm. And then uh, even the internally displaced persons who came to Abia right. started producing twins. Mm. So people were saying, wait a second. Even people who used not to produce twins before, they are not even related. Others from Achole subregion, they came over here, now they're producing twins. So what is special about That's this? That's what I'm saying. There must be something in Abia we need to harvest. We need to do some science <laughs> And <study>. export. <laughs> uh, what kind of what kind of family did you grow up in? What kind of home was it? Happy, I, interesting. I grew up in a very happy and a very resilient family, mm. like our community generally. Being yeah. a community of conflict, mm. you could tell the parents struggling every day yeah. to look for what to eat, to try to protect their children from harms. And I think I, it was a society that was culturally active. Even today, Abia probably is the most culturally active community in terms of uh, traditional dan- folk mm. dances. So this is the kind of environment I grew up in. And of right. course... It was in the at the at the epicenter of violent conflict, mm. but uh, the family I must say I witnessed very loving and kind-hearted uh, parental support. Right, they had nothing, but they made sure that we could eat something, okay. we could be protected, and I, I grew up seeing mom and dad doing all it takes to make sure that we eat something mm-hmm. and we stay safe from harms. What were they doing for work? My parents were peasant farmers. Mm. 
they never been to school they stayed in the community and then they were they just gave us so much love that's good compared to nothing they were really and you really and you remember that because when when you give a child love that that <laughs> they remember more than all the toys you'll buy in yeah. the world it's how they feel no, we didn't have remember. toys. We had <laughs> of course. We made our own toys. <laughs> yeah, that's good though. I think we all did. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. all did something. You know, football yeah, out sh- of yeah, play some cavera, cavera football, but also mm. making kicking or um, oranges, making oranges for football, and also making cars out of the you know the, the sorghum mm-hmm. stems and all those things. Wow, you could call it tianabir. Tianabir means like the sorghum stems. Okay. You invest it and make car out of it, small vehicles. Wow. Yeah, so those were our toys. And of course also it invoked creativity. A lot of creativity, <laughs> but yeah. what I saw witness was that children in our time probably most of them grew up having playing with only with toy guns. They made that toy guns. At least somebody would make like a gun, mm. a toy gun to to play around with. So that was probably what we were exposed to. I I mean, I the, you know the butida is it the what is it called? I forget the English word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like a catapult, yeah, right? A catapult. It's yes. something that you know I saw in communities once in a while, but that's something maybe one boy would hear or see it in school and come and do. But when you say that a lot of kids were making toy guns or playing with toy guns, yeah, yeah. you are saying it from the perspective of the fact that you were in the middle of conflict, yeah, which would then most of the people out there would know as the Kony war. Yeah. And so it, you weren't just making a toy gun for the sake of it. It's because it was what you exposed. Yes, it's yeah. what what you exposed it to. It was Kony war, it was Alice Lakwena, yes. it was NRA war, it was uh Karamojon cut wrestling and all those other pockets of So at conflict. all times. At all times. So you could flee from Karamojon cut wrestlers. Mm-hmm. To enter the ambush of I, I, Alice Lakwena, imagine that, or to enter the ambush of the NRA. <laughs> how do, but Victor, how do you even manage to grow up happy or some semblance of happiness you know, in such times? In the heat of the moment, mm. in the point when um, every day's life is about survival. Survival. In the heat of time, you look at. If I don't uh, work for my own happiness, if I don't look, uh, you know, how do we transform that painful episode, the trauma, the else. fear into an opportunity to feel good about yourself? So, you know, in the moment of adversity, where every day's life is about ad- adversity, mm. there comes a moment when fear must go. Hmm? Mm. Then you embrace determination, commitment, and looking positive into life because if you either look positive in life or life will take you you know yep. that was it so <laughs> absolutely what to did us, you it was not a choice of whether we should be happy or not it was about being happy in the middle of unhappiness yeah that was the concern. also because it didn't look like the violence would end at any point so you couldn't we postpone happiness war. yeah we were born in war war Raised was everything war. we knew yeah. and uh, it was difficult for us to even see the civilian vehicles the only Imagine vehicles that. we saw were the military j fang military trucks wow and that was it. So what do you expect? You know, mm. it, it, it becomes so difficult to, to imagine anything. So to think about what life would look like in Kampala, in other places, it was just a dream. We didn't have any opportunity. Now I, now I understand the effort to go up the tree just mm-hmm. to get a signal, to exactly. listen to Capital to Radio. Cap- because and I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote a lot of letters to Capital. We, oh didn't, ha- we didn't have money, but mm. we would write a letter and send it to, to, through the post office to Capital. What was in the letter? To win the t-shirt. Oh dear Lord, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> you are competing. To win the t-shirt oh and sticker. My. So that was it. 
I think that's why the many years that I did uh, daytime radio, I did not take my listeners for granted because you do not know yes, what the yes. listener is expressing I and wrote why. so many letters. We didn't have money. We raised some money painfully mm. in the village. And to send, send the letter. In order to win the t-shirt, but we didn't <laughs> win anything. What's your first song choice, Victor? Oh, my first music I wanted to come from. Uh, there is a beautiful, beautiful song by African, most legendary musician Lucky Dube. Mm. It says Hold On. Hold On by Lucky Dube. Hold On. Hold On. Okay. And Hold On is very important to me because I talks about uh, how the pain you saw your mother struggling every mm. day is to make life work and you know, the dedication, the sacrifice. This is what I saw yeah. with my parents, with my mom, with my dad, mm. how they did everything possible. Because of war, we would run, we would go long distances. Sometimes our feet would be swollen. Yeah. And our father would carry us on his shoulders, being twin children. And you could see that his shoulders are already bruised, their wounds, but he still carries you. And when we start running, whoa, gunshots, whatever, we start running, we all go and stand with my twin brother, Jack, crying, looking at, up to our father's shoulders. But also, that's the kind of, it was a pain that we saw our parents gave it all to make sure we could Sacrifice see. It and all. our mom could also say, you know, she would cook food mm. and she pretends that she has eaten yet she didn't. Oh, bless. Just to make sure that we would eat. Because we were eating one meal a day and it went on for over seven years. Mm. So that's why that song is very important to me.
Desert Island Discs with Flavia on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda. It's Desert Island Discs and that was the late Lucky Dubes Hold On. Yeah. You described a good reason why holding on yep. is very key. Victor Chen, you, <laughs> and we'll get to, to it later, despite your doubt of being on the Forbes list in 2015, <laughs> for the 10 most powerful men in Africa, but you yeah. are the executive director for INET, that yes, is please. the African Youth Initiative Network. We'll yeah. get to how that is built, but yeah. let's talk about school. How did that form out? Okay, that's <laughs> another interesting. Yeah. I started primary one in a beer primary school. Mm. And then uh, war intensified. Okay. Our only safety was if River Moroto would flood so that oh, the rebels couldn't c- access. They, can't, they couldn't wow. access. That was the only safety. We wondered, where is the government? What's mm. going on? And then I started primary one, completed primary We were supposed to be promoted to, we went to, prim- supposed to join primary two, but war intensified. Mm. We were displaced for five years. And then, uh, in the five years, we are moving from one IDP camp to another IDP camp. I was about so to say, you know, we are, it's lost on us, the reality of people's lives. When we yeah. read or hear, I was in a displaced camp, it just sounds like words. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's real life. It was people. real life. It's I would say I'm one of the camp survivors, mm. you know. So then after staying in one camp, because sometimes stay in this camp and then the next day a rebel comes and outrun it, burns it down, you have to flee to another one. To another one. So for five years... We didn't have schools. There were no teachers. Most teachers were actually killed or displaced. Oh and then uh, in the five years period, I had access to a quarter left torn apart Holy Bible. Mm-hmm. That started a thing from either... Whose was it? It was from home. We came okay. with it somewhere mm. sneaked in our bag. Okay. That was the only textbook I was exposed to for five years. A Bible. And it was in English. You remember? We only had primary one. So somehow in between, there was no studies. Mm-hmm. Then when war subsidized a bit, the water had flooded. Mm. We went back home. I said they wanted to resume schooling, but there were no teachers. Mm-hmm. Schools were burnt down. Teachers, killed. most of them were abducted mm-hmm. and were killed also. And then for me to resume schooling, I joined primary five. Oh, So I leapfrogged. <laughs> From P2. P1 end of term yeah. to P5. Yeah. Wow. To P5 second term. Oh dear. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and then mom was saying, why are you doing this? Are you traumatized? Which was your choice. I said, mom, look, five <laughs> years down the road, mm. if I, I, the only opportunity is for me, if I have to go back to school, I can go to either P6 or P7. Okay. But I can do you a favor and come back to P5. <laughs> but n- definitely not P2. Not P2. I yeah. was too old to Because you had grown P2. now, yeah. I was, uh, to join P3, I was too old for that. And I was also afraid, what will my hedge mates be? They will become my yes, teachers, my doctors. Yes. So, but also that's where the despair became so real because you have to make a choice. Are mm-hmm. you going to go to a class that is way ahead of you or you are going to go back to where you're supposed to? So that's why majority gave up because mm. they were too old to join to even un- lower to even classes. Catch up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And to catch up with the upper classes was impossible. Yeah. But then when I joined uh, primary five, it was the second term. When I went and I, I had two exercise books, mm. and then teachers would write back in my books, go back to P3, go back to P2. <laughs> Just crossed my book. I said, this teacher really needs counseling. Oh. They don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, I held in, mm. but the examination came. I did the examination. And I went to check on the list of the performers in senior, you know, in, in primary five, second term. I, I looked for my, myself. I was... And then I busted in laughter. Mm. 
And people say, why are you laughing so much? Because I, I wasn't, I was expected to be the last person in yeah. the class, but I was the second last. Okay. And I was saying, <laughs> the last person must be the most yeah, Because if, if, you, if you're worse <laughs> off than me. Exactly. You must be a problem. Yeah. But then uh, I realized, when I looked through again, I realized this person actually had not done exams. Mm. So oh I was dear, literally... You were there. literally the last. <laughs> <laughs> you No, you were the last, Victor. Yeah, well, allegedly. I was, no. The, <laughs> if the other one had done the exam, <laughs> you but, never know. But on record, I was wow. not the last. But then... I told mom, said, let me continue. Mm. Give me a chance. To try. One last chance for the third term. I crammed everything. I mastered <laughs> everything. Right. So when the examination came for third term promotional exam, I was in the first position. What do you mean? I was the best. I was the best. I was in the first position. Number one. Number one. Number one. From the last to number one. Oh, the, wow. I got promoted to P6. I went to P7. And I performed so well in primary seven. Wow. I got actually first grade. Wow. You know, those days of uh, PLE was not easy. Not at all. In 1996, I got first grade. I got 11. And then came the problem of uh, joining Advancing. secondary. Mm. So then I went on to join Lira Town College. Okay. I went to, it was the most urban, poorest urban school. Mm. Uh, people wouldn't pass. But it was the best for me because I wouldn't have to sleep in the camp. Mm. I wanted just to be away from the camp. Oh, yeah, mm. I hear so you. It doesn't matter whether I believed in myself that no school is too small to produce a leader. So that's why I went to Lira Town College. Wow. And for six years I was in that school. But the problem was paying the school fees. Yeah. I, we didn't have money. My parents were too poor. Mm. They couldn't even have money for us to buy food. Mm. I had to burn charcoal. We burned charcoal a lot with my twin brother mm. and my other family members. To sell off. To sell off and pay the school fees. Right. Yeah. For six years, I studied for four years mainly. I studied burning the charcoal with my twin brother. And then we, we actually, that's how we studied. They stored a lot of trees. <laughs> Clearly. It is a desert now, like in the desert island. <laughs> because, because you wanted to go to school. Exactly. Yeah. So the question also comes, why, if you talk about charcoal, burning charcoal, Preventing charcoal burning. You need to think about it another way. Right? Mm. Sometimes the only way somebody can earn something, if there's no alternative, mm -hmm. should you go hungry? Should you not go to school? Mm -hmm. Yes, we need to protect the environment, but let's have a, a deeper thought over it. I think I heard this conversation during uh, my talks with people who do conservation, and they yeah. said rather than tell people not to kill the animals yeah. in the parks, yeah who believe this is food or a source yeah. of income, yeah. Yeah. help them have a source of income. So exactly. when tourists come, maybe yes. they can be uh, traders of something, maybe they can be tourist yep. guides, yep. earn some money. So that, because the problem isn't that you really want to kill a leopard. Exactly. <laughs> you, you just, you know, you think when you do it, you'll earn some with despair. despair. Yeah, so you, you make a lot of sense. A little bit on that mm. uh, tourism. I think people should identify with development. Yeah. If development is just a hearsay, mm. GDP means nothing if it does not improve people's livelihoods. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like our governments, most of African government, hmm. would probably be okay with feeding citizens to the lions as long as, <laughs> oh dear. As, long as revenue is coming. Mm. Because if you are starving the local population, the neighbors, the, the, the protectors of the wildlife, mm. and they're not benefiting anything, they're At not all. identifying with the development, and you blame them for poaching, 
If there's no alternative, we are going to poach. We don't encourage poaching, but give people alternative to survive. Yes, yeah. I think it's understanding why people do. If you understand that what the reason for behavior, you yeah. you have a better chance at yeah. changing yeah. the behavior. Yeah. yeah. So Lira, um, Lira School was actually your your hibernation because you said anyone to stay in the camp. So yes. going there at least gave you another environment. Yes. Other children. During I, school days, I would sleep in the house. Really? Yeah, but during holidays, I would sleep in the bush. Oh. So because every other person in the community was sleeping in the bush. Yeah, yeah. For all those times, all those that years. That was home. That was. Can you, you imagine move, that? You sleep under grasses from this to that to that. And there were moments when there were incidences where oh my <laughs> there were cases of stray lions also coming in mm. and the LRA is there and also the other... So which group. one are you dodging at so that point? That's the question. You, should you stay in the house to be abducted or you go and hide in the bush? But the lions are also there. And then you ask God, where did you go? What Are we mm. still in talking terms really? Because those are the kind of things that brings a lot of questions. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your second song choice, Victor? I uh, My second song is uh, going to be there used to be a traditional local song a uh, church song where my mom used to sing in that so whenever i hear that ululation mm. it's just the voice of my late mom oh bless yeah so i'm going to sing that it's in in is in luo is in lango which is sung by orech abenego okay is a as a gospel song right. and is help the ugandans will enjoy because such a beautiful you feel the ululation you feel the african vibe in that mm. So help people enjoy that. Wow.
Desert Island Discs on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda. It's Desert Island Discs and I think my guest today is why I probably do this show. <laughs> we tell stories many times and everybody loves a good story. And we, a good story, <laughs> someone said an stories inspirational hope, story. <laughs> yes. If you want to sell anything, sell hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because In that what? always gets you. Because someone yeah. wonders how you come from as you were describing it, yeah. on one end you're dodging lions, on the other end you're dodging the LRA. You, you sleep under a tree. And you feel being dodged by the government. That too. Why are they allowing this to happen? To you. That's the question that every young boy and girl from the north asks that question. Mm. Why is this allowed to happen? Why us? If it happened for a week, you'd say the state was taken unaware. If it happened for a month, yeah. you'd say they were preparing their countermeasures. To come. But... Yes. If it went for two years, people start with, mm. but this went for 20 years. Imagine that. So everything had changed. Perception has changed. What exactly happened? Why did it happen mm. like this? And then uh, I think that was the, the kind of reality that you leave a generation wondering mm. what went wrong. Why? And that generation, you know, because those are about almost two, three generations if you yeah. come to today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Parents who raise children, children who are now raising children. They were child victims who mm. became adult perpetrator. Yes. And now they passed on that generational transfer of trauma from one generation to, to another. another. And then also when you're growing as a child, as desperate as the parents are, they ask you ask them, why are we why why don't we have food? Yes. Why are we being attacked? Why are we being killed? They have no answer why are we for being you as well. Abducted? Mm-hmm. Because we are young. We're supposed to be going to school. Six years, seven years we're being abducted to go and serve in the army. Mm. Do we have government that protects us where are they not responding so these are the kind of thing that left us wondering well, I, I, I'm also here thinking I wonder if the rest of the country forget just the government the rest of the country ever considered to think that okay there are people on the other side of the country yeah. who are also going through ABCD I remember the first time a few friends of mine were going to Gulu yes and of course this was the time stability had sort of returned yeah and I think it was almost like a ghost town as they call it yes, yeah yes, yes. and people were thinking should we should we not go there if you go mm-hmm. there you never know and I said but imagine the people who've lived there and they call that home <laughs> you know they, they don't have a chance to say will it be safe yeah or your version of in unsafe yeah <laughs> to them is normal that's you the know. thing, because at the end of the day, um, war took too long yeah, and was too vicious. And war targeted the young generation, mostly, because tens of thousands, according to UNICEF and Save the Children, over 66,000 children were abducted and they have never come back. Uh, maybe half of them have never come back or have never been accounted for. Yeah. And nobody's giving these people any message. Where are they? And I, including my own brother, was taken, you know. Opio. Not Opio. The one me and Opio followed right. was abducted. On the 9th of December, it would make 20 years since it was mm, taken. My, my cousin, my other family members were taken. You know, you, every day you are surviving abduction, surviving being blown up mm. by landmines. And then, you know, it became like a daily struggle. You struggle to survive. You struggle to be not be blown, you struggle not to be abducted. Mm. But then, after many years of trying and doing something, then all of a sudden you are taken. So, I remember when my brother was abducted, I was probably, I was the last family member who encountered, who stayed with him. 
and my 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 dad mm. we when he was taken we were supposed to come together with him from abia to lira town mm-hmm. abia actually became the command point for the lra and i think that's what pro- prompted the president to go and st- set up the presidential state lodge which is six kilometers from abia after learning that it was the command point for the lra yeah. and that's where i was born and raised so when he was was supposed to move together in the morning we left walked along the way and then two kilometers after we entered the ambush me and another person he was oh going dear. to follow us on a bicycle mm. but because we were chased during the morning hours by the rebel we ran out ran them with the two cows in front we are running the, they were chasing us they couldn't fire because it was during daytime mm. and i think somebody was following us saw us being chased she ran back home to inform the people in the camp that those two boys who left are being chased they are being chased or they are already been abducted mm. so we are on the other side of the valley yes. my brother on the other side of the valley the rebels are in between no phone no other ways to of communication yeah i'm there crying on the other side that my brother is going to come and enter the the ambush mm. and then my brother is also crying on the side that maybe i've already been taken yes. there was no communication mm. until the soldiers blocked them and said no uh nobody can go we are blocking the road now mm. and at night they were taken away from the very house that we had spent a night together oh dear and that was the last time i saw him mm. and then he left his children we waited for hours that he would come back hours became days days became weeks weeks became months months became years and the wait is still ongoing to date and it's now coming to 20 years victor how do you and by you i mean even the people you know how do you carry such trauma i know it's different for each person but how have yeah. you seen it over the years being you know, carried history is very heavy mm. on us history has a very heavy weight on our generation some of us lived it mm-hmm. and uh, the choice to do what we do today when i started in african youth and history network was primarily even was the uh, upgrade of peace club that i started in the camp when we were living there so then african youth initiative network became an opportunity let us mobilize youth and community members to promote peace mm-hmm. because people had no no peace yeah peace was foreign yeah and you're right it has only were, been conflict you're so talking about something that people don't know that's so foreign They're or asking, not even existent exactly yeah. asking what are you talking about you're talking mm. about peace that you have never lived what's yeah. wrong with you they think you are mental they don't anger. want it <laughs> they, yeah. they've never seen it yeah. so then came that conviction how do we transform our trauma our mm. pain our suffering into an opportunity right. to promote peace in the community because you had looked around you waited for change to happen nothing Events, has happened yeah. you're praying every sunday mm. nothing is changing you're voting in every election nothing, nothing is, change. is changing you're trying to go to school nothing is changing and then you're left so what yeah so that kind of it requires a very loving encounter mm. to be good when you are so much pressed you're hurt but you choose to love exactly despite. the question That's is hard. how do we transform that <laughs> pain hard. that yeah. trauma that suffering into good that into good in something that will bring about positive change so there's abduction there is uh, murders and that's the people who are gone yeah there's the people like you victor who live on mm-hmm. who now have their families of their own yeah. and i always say that trauma manifests differently yeah. yeah how have you seen trauma manifesting in people even when they choose peace yeah. there are certain things that still exactly 
exist within them that show where they've been and what they've experienced it comes down to encounter mm. even if you're a peace builder mm. there is a moment that violence will come for you wow even if you are a counselor mm. there's a moment that trauma will the triggers punch you. on you yes i i learned about it in a hard way mm. in my work when we were doing the work we are counseling i had seen so many horrific stuff that i I couldn't even bear understand. Sometimes I look at I said how did they make it to where I am today? Mm-hmm. But then uh my count encounter was one of the young persons that I I was supporting and when to realize that he was among us the people who abducted my brother. Whoa. Yeah. You were helping someone. I was helping this young man. And he was telling his story. He told the story about right. how they were abducted by the LRA, how they were and, and turned into Exactly, turned into child abductors. Yes. You know? And then he talked about the story how they were operating in our community area. Yes. Talked about the how you operate in our family area because our Ooh. home was at the edge of the camp. He knew who you were? He didn't know who I was. Oh dear. So when he talked about it, I said, "Wait a second. The guy explained exactly the how story he was abducted, mm. how he was forced to abduct and tie my brother and all those things. Oh, wow. And then that's when he said, "Okay, there's a moment when it's it's about you. It's not about them. How do you move on from yeah. that darkness of exposures you mm. exposed to inequality and justice, the pain mm. that Because at the end of the day he was also abducted. So he has he his own abducted. story and his own trauma. Yes. But then he has also caused trauma to your family. So how and do you I'm, even reconcile that? And he looked at to me yeah. as a role model. Yes. He needs me and I knew that without me he wouldn't make it. Yet this is the same person who abducted your brother. Exactly. Oh wow. And then um it took me a lot of time but to embrace and say let's mm. work together. Wow. Does mm. that kind of thing that There's a moment in life when you are too powerless to protect yourself and you are very honed mm. including the person that you love so dearly. Yeah. There's if 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 that moment has not yet come, mm. it will come at some point. Wow. Nobody is too powerful in this world. No leader is too strong in this world. No businessman is too strong in this world. There's a moment when your money will not help. Mm. There's a moment when your connections will, will not help. There'll be no escorts. Mm. There'll be no diplomats to speak for you. Mm. There'll be no lawyers to bail you out. It will be you yeah. and the reality could be your enemies. So. Wow. What changed? Um when you said to me I I always imagine how did I <laughs> get to be here from Lira where did life take you? <laughs> I'm still in Lira. Mm. I I felt like uh, when I needed the world the most there was nobody for me. Mm. But when I managed to navigate through the opportunities that popping up, wow. I could have chosen to go and stay out of Africa, mm. to stay out of Lira, but I said let me stay home. Mm. Lira or Uganda or Africa is where I have uh, a reason to to impact the society. Okay. Okay. So I've decided to stay in Africa. Yeah. And I always say that I'm not going out of Africa. I'm staying home. I go and come back, but to okay. go and settle, I'm going to stay in Africa. I'll stay yeah. home because if war or poverty is the reason why people live, that's the reason why we have to stay and kick war out of Africa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. School. So after Lira where did you After Lira. You stayed in Lira. I actually. stayed in Lira and then after that I joined university. Mm. I I did I, I remember applying. I was actually already I joined Straight Talk. I worked for Straight Talk as a communication person for 
for Northern Uganda. That was at what point? In university or right before? Uh, right before the university. Okay. In between then, there was no money and uh, I had struggled. I, I paid for, I enrolled for diploma studies in Gulu University, mm. but I didn't even attend for a day because... What? what? <laughs> I entered the Ambu three times. On the day that I, I paid the money, mm-hmm. I was supposed to start schooling like on Monday when yeah. Gulu University was opening. And I entered the ambush three consecutive days and I said, I'm going back home. Wow. My father called and said, come back home. And then uh, I went back home. Mm. And then after that, I joined another university. I did some studies on development study. Mm-hmm. And I went on to do postgraduate diploma in gender. Then I did a uh, master's in conflict, peace and security studies. So, Of course you had to. I <laughs> had to go after conflict <laughs> yeah, by studying <laughs> to prevent and mm. mitigate and, and, and address. You know. Right. Mm. Straight talk, how did you end up there? Straight talk was interesting because I had worked on the radio station in Lira. Yes. After senior four, I became, uh, I went and applied for a job mm. uh, to be a radio presenter in okay. Radio Lira. What, just because it was a job there or you had interest, a real passion? I had a real passion, but I also was looking for an opportunity to stay out of the camp. Okay. And then uh, then when I went on to 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 apply for a job, mm. they looked at me and said, <laughs> the whole man was really lovely. And he said, you want jobs? said, yes. If you want jobs, what can you do? Mm-hmm. You're too young. I said, I can be a security. Okay. He said, can you kill that dog? Oh, wow. And I said, but why are you talking about me killing the dog? <laughs> I just want to be a security person. And then the dog had that kind of kill that dog. The dog turned to me and said, Ooh. I, said <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm done, I'm done. Oh dear. And then I said, why the dog? He said, if you cannot kill that dog, how can you kill somebody who's coming to being, steal the, yeah. the, the radio station? <laughs> I said, okay, now I get it. I said, go back. There's no job coming in future. <laughs> I came back the next day. He said, did you not come here yesterday? <laughs> you who failed to run. I said, yes, try I came. Feel. You told me to come the next day and in future. So The future is today. Today. <laughs> said, you are stubborn. You go and buy Resilient. from me a bottle of water. Mm. And I bought him water. I said, you go back. Come back another time. Mm-hmm. The next day I came back again. Okay. He said, young man. So okay, you, you first tell me, what is your story? Mm. And I told that Muse was called a John. Very lovely businessman. I explained, I said, you know what, I'm from Mabia. Um, my family lives in the camp. I'm afraid if I go back to the camp, I will be abducted. Mm-hmm. I will be probably killed. I study in the same school with your son. Yeah. We pray together in the same church. I think your son will miss me if something <laughs> happens to me. And then he said... Emotional blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> and then right. he said, okay, now mm. you go and be, you will be a cleaner. Yeah. I started as a radio cleaner in Radio Lira. Mm-hmm. I went on to become a receptionist. Were you getting paid? 15,000 shillings a month. Mm. Started on 29th uh, December 2000. So you cleaned? I cleaned. Then you floor. went to reception? And then after a month, I went to become a receptionist. Mm. Then they could tell me, now that you are cleaning and doing things like that, can you switch on the transmitter in the morning? Uh-huh. That's how I started. I switch on the transmitter, I played the music, as these <laughs> tra- presenters would come in. And then I started talking. Wow. I eventually became one of the best presenters. There, in the, you, in the go. Mm. there you go. And that also gave me experience to qualify to join Straight Talk Foundation ah. as a communication person for Northern Uganda. Wow. So my Straight Talk work opened my eyes. And I can't appreciate enough the management of Straight Talk, mm. in particular Kathy Watson, yeah. whom I know she's a prophet of Capital FM. Yes. Oh, Kathy was a mom. Mm. I think she 
See, she cared so much about the people, but also she gave up. She trusted in the young generation. She gave me opportunity to serve the community, but also when I was in the community, that's when I would see the need was beyond sexual reproductive health crisis. Right. The war was a problem. Human rights issues were a problem, mm. and that's why I can't appreciate enough. Wow, Kathy Watson. You did that for how many years straight? For four years. For four years. And then I decided to go and say I'm going to focus on Inet. Right. Because Inet. So Inet started while you were still yes in straight talk. My straight talk salary mm. was the one I'm paying with the two staff, my twin brother and ah, another person. Ah, come on now, let's go to that. <laughs> <laughs> you started your little thing on the side. Exactly. I and put your twin brother. My twin brother was there. I said, "You cannot sit in this office with another guy called Ongom Richard Fred." It was Jackson, mm. Opio, and Ongom Richard Fred. Mm. They were my Ongom was our OB. He said, "You sit there." And you had started Inet to 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 sort of give back to impact society to positively, promote peace generally, to promote because peace. Straight talk was for adolescent sexual reproductive yes. health. Yes, uh, but you so had seen the need was beyond reproductive yes. health conversations. You we need peace conversations. Telling us to talk about uh, HIV, I know, mm. it's okay, but HIV will not kill us today. But the rebel will. The rebel will kill us now. Mm. So let's talk about rebel. Wow. And I said, okay, okay, that's how my small money from Straight Talk paid your brother and the other person. <laughs> I paid him fifteen thousand shillings <laughs> each, <laughs> and bought sugar. Yeah, <laughs> rented the house. Wow! So that's how it started, mm. and I kept on. I would send them straight talk materials for dissemination in the community. Mm. That's how it kept on building. Mm. Still, I attribute so much success to straight talk. But did you know what it entailed to create a platform for peace conversations? Yes, I was actually like many young people from northern Uganda. We had seen our parents were defeated mm. on the way forward. So I was sick and tired of our own suffering. Right. And the options were very limited. Mm. People, some people were volunteering to leave the camp to go and join the rebel group because it was wow. It was probably better. Life in the camp was rather worse. than wait for them to come take us. But also rather than dying in the camp of the, with the diseases. Wow. There's a lot of crimes also being That's committed in the pain. camp. Mm. So people say. Why should I stay here? Let mm. me just go in the bush and join. Some people volunteer. Then they say, "Let us get away of countering this involuntary, you know, militia recruitment or something." And then some were joining the the army. You know, they, they were even let's let's be honest. Let's face the reality. A lot of young people in Northern gonna join even the army on the UPDF side. Mm. So, and I think, but the government kept on improving by removing out the child soldiers from the you know. But the despair couldn't force them to stay. Right. They were desperate. They had no choice. And some actually went on to pick up the some young people. I could talk to them then. Why are you joining? You are so young. You are mm. below eighteen. They said, "I want to go because I need a uniform, a military." There was no cloth to wear. The only cloth available oh was the military uniform. Lord. You get the military uniform. You yeah. get the gum boots. You're not naked. So the material things was also a motivation for joining him. Yes, but you can imagine that. Yeah, people didn't have. For me, the first time I put on shoes, I was in senior two. How many shoes did you put on when you were by age of fourteen? <sighs> Maybe I'll be mute on that one. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that someone so, somewhere out there did not experience. Yeah, we didn't have that. shoes. There was but nothing. Yes. So, so that's why, to me, if you look at a country like Uganda today, the history is so painful, it's so deep, and people are living it. Unfortunately. It's not something that we can ignore. Mm. We need to pay attention to it and also, you know, avoid the history repeating itself by doing the right thing. The leadership must know until the right thing is done, right on time, intentionally. 
to heal the wounds. Yeah. The prospect for reoccurrence is very high. It's very high. Mm. What's your next song choice, Victor? The next song will be I really like a uh, Ugandan musician. Mm. I can't select all of them, but <laughs> let me go for Love You Every Day by Baby Cool. Baby Cool. Mm. I like that guy. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a fantastic character. Yeah. He's one of the fantastic musician. Okay. Although one day I think I was in Ad- Ad- Adolf Suarez in Madrid mm. when I in the airport I had people playing this song called Juicy Juicy by Radio Radio and Weasel, yeah. And I text guy Tano, they were in the studio. I said mm. I was dancing at Adolf Suarez. <laughs> I put the bag and yeah. I first move a little bit and I missed my flight. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I, I really celebrate Ugandan musician. That's good. That's but good. I really I really think let's go for Baby Cool. Baby Cool. Yeah. I hope he's listening. I will love you every day. Hey, 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 hey. around the world a million times and I've seen a lot of places and faces but I'm always back to you my money on my mind not anything ladies by my side each and every day but I'm always back to you and I've been all the times I'm around you girl you got me feeling like starting a new life now Even when I leave, I can see your eyes staring in my own girl's crazy how I feel about you. Yeah, it's crazy how I feel about you. I 
Desert Island Discs with Flavia on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda.